Hello and welcome to Pod Academy. In this week's podcast, Lee Millam looks at the future for traditional circuses and what keeps them on the road. The circus people must be up very early and load and smooth a circus. The circus people plan each part of the work so that it can be done quickly and easily. As soon as the train comes to a stop, the unloading begins. Year in, year out, the circus comes to town. But are circuses in trouble? Seen by many as old-fashioned entertainment, and facing government action to ban circuses with wild animals, what keeps circuses on the road? Professor Ron Beadle is from Northumbria University. He has published the first major study of the motivations of circus owner directors in the UK and Ireland. The research I've done recently has been looking at circus directors who have run circuses for at least 15 years across the UK. And I was talking with them about why they did that and relating that back to a a body of thinking about why people do particular jobs. First of all, can you tell me what was the inspiration for this research? Okay, so we know that people work for a variety of reasons, but predominantly they work either um, for the money, which in the literature is called a job orientation, or they work for the sake of career and status, which is called career, or they work for calling, um, where they work to pursue a particular Um, a particular occupation, and some people call that vocation. Now, research around employees has shown some significant effects of these different types of work orientation. For example, you're more likely to leave an employer if you have a job orientation than if you have either of the others. What I wanted to do was to look specifically at uh, at an interesting workplace, namely the traveling circus, Um, but also to look not at at employees, but to look at owner-directors and see whether the same sorts of ideas could be applied to them to find out why they did what is obviously a very difficult job. So so you've spoken to owners and directors. Were you surprised by the research that that you got, the results? I uh, I was surprised by the extent to which um, they agreed um, as to what made them carry on. And I think this is the result of choosing a group of directors who had been doing this for a very long time. In other words, all the directors claimed that they were in the business and stayed in the business because of their love of the circus. Um, when asked about financial reward, many of them would laugh. Um, some of them would, would cite relatives of theirs who make far more money doing other things. But broadly, their argument was that running a circus was a way of life rather than a job. And specifically why they ran a circus, and this was an interesting finding, why they ran a circus rather than just doing an act in the circus, was about a commitment to the circus as a whole, as a form of entertainment, as a particular, as a particular type of business. The thing is, if there's not a lot of money to be made, you have to be committed to something else about the work in order to stick with it for as long as these people have done. And and it's important to say that this is a business which has 
been doing badly over the last uh, over the last 20 or 30 years so audiences are are down um the circuses have great difficulty in getting the best grounds because many of them are banned um because of their use of animals the government may well be legislating against use of animals in circuses fuel costs have gone up, bureaucracy is increasing. So, for example, a circus has to have a new license every time it goes to a new town. So that is that involves them in negotiating perhaps with 40 or 50 different local authorities every year. So there's a lot standing in the way of this, of this industry. Um, and so finding out why people continued in it was, was of real interest. You say there's a lot standing in the way of this industry. I'm wondering if one of the other problems is that we, we see circuses as a, a kind of old form of, of entertainment. Absolutely. I mean, that in itself isn't a problem because we find other forms of old entertainment that prosper. So to take pantomime as another traditionally Victorian form of entertainment, but pantomime is prospering. So it isn't, it isn't the age as such. And of course, we have examples of non-touring circuses, the circuses that don't appear in tents, Cirque du Soleil in particular, that have been very popular. It's the tented form of travelling circus that has particular problems. Although traditional big top circuses might be in trouble, circus skills continue to do well, and many young people are taking a keen interest in learning these skills. My name's Tria and I'm the general manager of the charity Albert and Friends Instant Circus, which is 30 years old this year. We've always uh, done drama, music, mime um, and theatre skills with our young people, as well as the circus. It's just all uh, mixed up together. So, in fact, our our children have a very rounded uh, theatrical skill. Circus is now a much more acceptable form of earning a living. And now the unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls, Fred and Hortense Canastrelli join in bringing you a head-to-head stand on the roller roller. Hortense balances upside down without holding on while Fred maintains his position on the roller rollerboard to perfection under these extremely dangerous conditions. Fred and Hortense Canastrelli are the only team in the world to dare to do this trick at that height above the floor of the arena. My name's Ian Scott Owens, more commonly known as Albert, and I'm the artistic director of Albert Friends Instant Circus, which I founded. We primarily work with young people, and we uh, organise classes, we do skill training and performance, and our young people have toured the world, toured the world doing performances. And what kind of skills do, you, do the young people learn? They learn all, if you like, the so-called traditional circus skills. So they do aerial, they do uh, you know, juggling ground skills, they do acrobatics, and uh, they do uh, balance. So they do acrobalance, they do a lot of work on stilts. How easy is it to teach these skills? The skills themselves are not the problem. It's getting the young people into the right frame of mind that they can build or learn them and then build and develop them and carry them on. We try and work on the whole child, if that's the right way of putting it. We use circus skills, if you like, as a tool to develop the young people so that they can grow up as valued members of society. Otto puts on fresh makeup before each show. Now Otto is ready to put on his clown costume. He covers his hair with a white skull cap. His sparkling clown hat is made of sequins. 
Otto is sometimes called the White Clown because of his white face and white costume. Otto enjoys wearing his clown costume and making children laugh. So, what does the future hold for the traditional circus? Professor Ron Beadle again. I think that the, the future is open. In other words, I think that it is possible to have a successfully branded circus, and we have one or two examples of this. I think Zippo's in particular has got a reputation, a brand, and a very loyal customer base, and that's what you need to take you through difficult times. So it is possible. The appeal of this type of live entertainment is still there, but um, the way that circuses have traditionally run which has been without too much thought for marketing, logistics, the various management disciplines, um, that is unlikely to be successful in the future. So, for example, um, circuses are having to think far more about their online presence. They're allowing, and this is just a, a recent example, allowing people to film and take pictures of circus in order that those images get posted online to attract other customers. That's something they would never have thought of doing, even two or three years ago. So there may be a future, there may not. It really de depends on the qualities of leadership that come into the industry.